You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. But I wanted to share just a little bit about our experience because there were some real spiritual lessons from it. So um, we started out, we went from the Whitewater Preserve uh, uh, off the 10 freeway all the way to the I-15. It was Section C of the Pacific Crest Trail, 121 miles over eight days. And as we started on our first day, James is going to bring up a picture on the screen. This is the, one of the first things we saw as we were leaving the Whitewater Preserve, this picture Visitors not advised to cross river as it's impassable. We have to cross it twice, you know, once to get onto the trail and later on on the trail. And it turned out we actually had to cross uh, like three different like subsidiaries of it as well so that there was this, it was a big crossing process. James is going to bring up just a couple videos that just capture a little bit of it. The first two will show us crossing some of the smaller branches of it, um, partly because I didn't dare take video on the part that was actually really scary, but we'll talk about that in a moment. This is another one of the like subsidiary bodies of water on, as part of the Whitewater River area. And then finally, this last video that James is going to show is just sort of where the scary spot of the, uh, of the where we crossed. So, um, you we get to this body of water and we we are going to cross it. And it's a little bit nerve wracking anyway because not only was there a sign, but we had known that three weeks. Prior to this, maybe three or four weeks prior, a lady had been crossing it, had been swept out from her feet, had been knocked out from underneath her, and been swept down river, had to be rescued by helicopter. We did not want to be that story. And uh, so we get to the body of water, and you're stepping into the Whitewater River, and it is like, really, in most years, you probably could cross this like ankle deep water, but because there had been so much snow this year, there was a huge runoff uh, from uh, that snow melt. And you step into the water, and it is like, numbingly cold. Your legs are just instantly uh, frozen in terms of what you're dealing with. And um, as you, you can't really see into the water because it's all this white water that you're going into. And you have to sort of feel your way around. You can sort of see that in those videos, like feel your step to where you're going to step. And you're trying to keep three points of contact, your two poles and one of your feet on the ground at all times. And if you step on gravel, you get that feeling you get at the beach when you're, you know, the waves are coming in and the gravel's getting pulled out from underneath you. If you're stepping on rocks, they're slippery. So it's this nerve-wracking time. And as I'm coming across this uh, water, I knew there was going to be a several steps that were going to be sort of the scariest part of this whole deal. And as I'm doing it, I can't help myself. I suddenly start to focus on how fast this water is rushing by me. And I'm just sort of staring at it, and I get sort of frozen in that moment of like, you know, am I really going to be able to make it across or not? People had just done it ahead of us. I should have known we were going to be okay. But it, you're overcome, you're overwhelmed almost by fear in that moment. And it reminded me, as I thought about it later, of a scripture uh, passage, a story of Jesus, a narrative of Jesus and his disciples where water and danger was involved. And it's found in Luke uh, chapter 8. We're going to read this together, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. It says there, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat, set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. 
Where is your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Um, so there's this, this disciples are in this moment of fear, right? They're crossing this body of water, and the situation begins to overwhelm them, and their response to it is to become really afraid. And it does say their boat was taking on water. They, were, they had a reason to be afraid. And yet, Jesus asks them after he comes to water, where is your faith? Why did he say that? Because he began by saying to them, essentially, in the Brian Bell translation, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. Get in the boat, we're going to the other side. Nothing changed from that moment that he said that, uh, t- going through that situation of danger. His, com- his, his promise was still the same, we're going to the other side. And yet in the midst of that challenge, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the, the storm, in the midst of the danger that they found themselves in, they forgot the promise that he had given them. And they forget that he has said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. And yet we tend to do the same kind of thing in our lives as well. When tough stuff happens, when hard things are happening in our lives, when we face difficulties, when we face dangers, we're overwhelmed by fear and we forget that when we're in God's will, when we're doing what God wants us to do, the promise is there, get in the boat, you're going to the other side. Yeah. So needless to say, Jody and I made our way through that body of water, so we're still alive. And um, we began, as we left that area, we began to climb. And you climb up through the Mission Creek like canyon kind of area, and over those first two days of the hike, we climbed probably over 10,000 feet of elevation gain, net gain probably somewhere around 8,000 feet because you go from maybe 1,300 feet to about 9,000 feet up at Onyx Summit. So it's just, a, and it was the hottest day on the first day we were out there, just miserable, difficult, and you, um, you have to cross this little stream called Mission Creek, which most years you probably literally could you know, jump over, rock to rock, climb over. But this year, it's got a lot of water in it. So we had 27 crossings of this little stream. Uh, Jody wore sandals the whole time and just waded through it. And I would do all these other alternatives to try to get by, like climb over logs and, you know, and so on. Um, James, maybe we can just show one or two of these videos just to show what this part of the trip was like. So it's not a very big body of water, but it's just large enough that unless there's a log there, you're not going to be able to jump across it. So we did that. Um, we did that 27 different times in that day, just you know, challenging. Uh, we'll we'll give Jody a crossing too. Oh, we'll do we have Jody a crossing in slow mo. That's okay. We can. Um, so you're, it's just this really difficult, really challenging uh, day in two days, really, both the uh, first two days of the hike. And uh, it reminded me of another, as I reflected on it later, another sort of spiritual insight. And it's found in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Because what it took for us to make it through those first two days was a whole lot of perseverance. There wasn't always as much joy as where I should have been in those first two days. But if we look at James 1, 2 to 4, we can see some spiritual application from this. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. To understand this passage, we have to understand God's desire for us. He desires to be in relationship with us. Our sin separates us from God, but he made a way through the death of his son on the cross, through the death of Christ, for us to be able to be restored to a right relationship with him. In that moment when we accept Christ as Savior, he places his Holy Spirit in us. And the role of the Holy Spirit is to begin this process of sanctification, of making us more and more of who God wants us to be, of being mature and complete, as the scripture passage describes. So what it's saying there is that as I go through these tough things in life, I should count them as joy. That doesn't mean I'm happy. It means I have a perspective about them. I understand them. I can see the value that they bring in my life. Because we know that those difficult things that we face produce what's called perseverance. And uh, perseverance is just the ability to stick with it. And we don't tend to think of this as a wonderful thing, right? Like we would, we would tend, if you asked us what we'd prefer, we'd prefer a life without tough stuff in it, right? We'd prefer to have it sort of easy because I don't want to have to go through those things. But scripture makes it clear, I'm going to count them as joy because I see the value of them. They produce perseverance. And what does perseverance do? Perseverance is what actually leads to maturation, maturity, or perfection, becoming more of who God wants us to be. So uh, we can think about this with our kids too, right? Our tendency at times is want to smooth everything out in front of our kids, make things easy for them. But we know down deep that they'll never be who God wants them to be if we don't let them face some of the difficult challenges that they need to face in life and learn to develop grit, to learn to persevere, to learn to overcome because those kinds of things will develop them into the person that God wants them to be. So back to our hike. We're uh, climbing this time, uh, hill. We finish up our second day. And I've just told you about sort of how miserable it is, right? Like, I mean, it was just, there were flies, and it was hot, and it was hard work, and we'd had to develop perseverance. Who wants to experience that, you know? And, uh, and I think about it some, because like, what keeps you going when you're out there on the trail? And one of the biggest things that happens for me is the beauty of the creation that we see around us. And James is going to just run through maybe 10 or 10, 12 pictures that will capture a little bit of that. That was a view from our tent on the last morning, so it's just beautiful. Um, so you get this picture of just the beauty of creation that's out there. But do you ever think about this? Why do we look at that and think, that's beautiful? Because it doesn't have to be that way. We could look at nature and think, oh, this is utilitarian. I can see what I could use in this. I, you know, I can see value to that. But there's something about who we are as human beings that sees beauty in what God's done in creation. And that comes because we're made in the image of God. So part of, we share aspects of who he is, so it shouldn't surprise us that, that he who made the world around us, who created all that we see around us, would imbue, would give us some aspect of who we are that would recognize the beauty in his creation and the work that he's done and that sustains us at times in life, right? It gives us, it gives us just a sense of awe, the sense of wonder, and the sense of connection uh, from who we are because we see the beauty of God's creation. And again, it, didn't, it doesn't have to be that way, but it's the way that God made us. So it's just a neat experience in terms of, of what's going on. 
And we know from in Genesis when God sets Adam and Eve in the garden, he gives them a responsibility and to care for the work that he's done, to care for his creation. So when you're out there and you're experiencing the beauty of God's creation, you also have this sense of obligation, a sense of responsibility about our role as human beings to ensure that we uh, care for this world that's around us. So after uh, these first couple days, we hiked uh, about 15 miles the third day into Big Bear. You get a chance to go get a shower. You, you do resupply, which means you're getting your food for the next portion of the trip. You get to do a little bit of laundry. I mean, you get to smell better for a while. It's just absolutely wonderful. And uh, we leave Big Bear the next day, and we hiked about 12 miles, and then the next day, 15 miles into a place called Bench Camp. And then the next day, we were going to go along a section, probably 10, 12, maybe 14 miles along this area called Deep Creek. And, and you're walking along this area called Deep Creek. It's actually about 300 feet down most of the time to where the water is below you. And, and usually there's a little hill on your, uh, the other side as well at maybe 30, 40, 50 feet tall as well. And you spend most of your time walking on this narrow path that's about the width of both of your feet together. You know, it's a very narrow area with a very steep decline on this side of who you are. And the, this year, because there was so much rain, any spots where there was a lot of uh, runoff uh, from sand and gravel, it actually produced a very smooth edge that now people have started to walk on and pack down as they go through this kind of an area. And what happens in that is that as you're walking along, sometimes the edges of that are not very strong at all. And so they give away. And your foot slips and you start to think about the fact that you could be going down this, you know, 300 feet down to the water and rocks down below you. Um, so it can be a little bit nerve-wracking. And Jody and I developed this little saying that we had when we'd get to those spots, because you can become, you know, paralyzed by fear, is that momentum is your friend. What I meant by that is that this idea that if you're walking in this direction, you're continuing this direction, even when you come to a spot where you, maybe the edge gives way in some kind of way, your momentum was going to carry you forward to stay on the path that you're supposed to be on. So I wouldn't be, you know, if I was going really slowly and didn't have that momentum, then when my foot hit the edge, I might have tumbled and uh, fallen. So we had this saying, momentum is your friend. Now, as I thought about this a little bit, I think there's a real spiritual application to that as well. We, every one of us, and you might remember this from Matthew chapter 5, if we've accepted Christ, if we're in relationship with him, we're on the, you know, the narrow way, right? We are on a path of a relationship, a walk with God, and in many ways, that walk is a little bit like what uh, Jody and I were on in that it's narrow and it's difficult and there's challenges and there's things that want to trip you up and there's things that want to pull you down and there's... Uh, obstacles that need to be avoided and dealt with as you're uh, going through that whole experience. But in many ways, just like when we were on that hike, momentum is your friend, right? This momentum in our walk with God actually continues to carry us forward in the direction that we should go. And how do we get that momentum in our own uh, spiritual lives? I think one of the biggest ways we do that is through spiritual disciplines, the practice of reading God's word and being regular in our prayer and conversation with him. Because what do those things do? Those give me direction in my life. Those give me momentum. They keep me walking in the direction that God wants me to go so that as I experience those difficult things, those soft edges that want to pull me down, want to pull me in a different direction, I have something that keeps me going 
in this direction. I have a, uh, the place where I'm supposed to be with God uh, allows me to continue forward. The momentum in that circumstance truly is my friend. So that day when we were hiking uh, through Deep Creek, we did about 19 miles. The next day we did another 19 miles, went by Silverwood Lake that you saw earlier, beautiful area. And it's hard to believe like, these things are like close to us here. It was just so surprising. And then we finished up the last day, did like eight and a half miles into the Cone Pass. Alex met us there, gave us a ride home. Thank you. And uh, so it was just a, it was a great, you know, great trip. Um, but what's interesting about it, and I brought some of it with me here today, is like you carry everything you need on your back for that whole time period. And my pack typically weighs just a little over 30 pounds. And I work really hard to have it be as light as it possibly can be. But, you know, water is probably one of the biggest things you're carrying. You got food for the days you're going to be out there. You have some extra clothes for, you know, in case you have different weather conditions that you might uh, encounter. Um, I have, like, my sleep system stuff, which is, you know, my sleeping bag, my pad, my uh, blow-up mattress kind of thing. I have, you know, cookware. um, And then I have my tent. And it's amazing the power of the tent in terms of our experience. James is going to show you a couple of pictures of our tent experience. Ah, right? Ah, thank you. Very cute. Lots of room. Tons of room. And I just love that photo. You can leave that up, James. This was like uh, from someplace in our campsite, looking back uh, in the morning as I was probably getting ready kind of thing in the tent. And it just... There's something about that tent because it's the first thing when you get to your campsite at night, it's the first thing you do is you set this up. It's almost like it becomes your home while you're out there on the trail. And you think about what it does for you. It protects you from the elements, right? Protects you from bugs. Uh, You probably have a false sense of security that's protecting you from bears and other things. It doesn't. (laughs) But, you know, it feels safe when you're inside there. You know, the wind doesn't get at you in quite the same way when you're inside that tent. And, And it's like... It just, it looks warm and inviting, right? Like it's just something special about it when you're out on there on the trail. And it really has this place of prominence in terms of the whole experience. And I was, I was thinking about that. I thought a little bit about how God does that for us as well. And we see this in Psalm chapter 91, verses 1 through 4. There's a, this is a, a metaphor that God uses a lot, particularly in the Psalms, uh, to describe who he is. Uh, Psalm 91, 1 through 4 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And if you keep going in that whole chapter, it just continues to develop this picture of God as our shelter. And I I thought about it a lot because in so many ways when you're out there on the trail, that tent provides that shelter for you, right? And it's uh, this similar picture in a much bigger spiritual kind of sense of what God does for us, right? It's a place of rest. He says, uh, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a place of rest to be in God's shelter, uh, be sheltering with, with who God is, says he's my refuge and fortress. You know, it's a place to get away from the rest of the stuff of life. Uh, it says he will cover us with feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. So these wonderful pictures of what it means for God to be our shelter, the one that protects us from, that uh, helps us deal with the circumstances that we find ourselves 
in a life. And so um, I just want to close today with this picture, right? We do this big hike. It was challenging. Um, it was fun. It was, it was great. But there's, there's real like spiritual lessons that come from these everyday aspects of life. You know, this promise from God, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. This idea that he's with us when we're in his will in the most challenging circumstances that we can find ourselves in. That when we're dealing with the tough stuff of life, it develops perseverance in us. And that's God's goal for us is that we experience and grow and become all of who he wants to be. And perseverance is part of the ways in which we do that. And that we have a beauty in this world around us that allows us to reflect on who God is, this beauty of creation that he's made us to be able to experience. How wonderful is that? The fact that momentum is our friend. You know, we're gonna go through tough stuff. There's things trying to pull you down. By by practicing spiritual disciplines, you develop the momentum to be moving in the right direction in your life. And then finally, this idea of God as our shelter uh, as we go through our experience, much like that tent was for our experience that God serves as a shelter for us, a refuge, a place of rest uh, for us to be able to experience as well. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we love you. We're grateful to you. We're uh, so wonderful of you in terms of, uh, it's so wonderful of you in terms of your provision for us, in terms of what you do in our lives. And Lord, I just would ask that we would trust you, that we would build perseverance, that we would recognize the beauty of your creation, Lord, that we would uh, recognize the importance of spiritual disciplines to give us momentum in our walk with you, and that finally we would see you as our shelter. Uh, Lord, I just would ask that even these little stories of Ike would be um, uh, motivating to people in terms of their own walk with you. I just would ask that people's lives would be touched and changed by what they've heard today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.